Welcome to the Going Beyond Podcast. I'm Randy Zinn. I'm an entrepreneur, wellness expert, author, and the founder of the Going Beyond Movement. I'm constantly exploring how individuals can make the most impact on a daily basis. And here's what I've learned. Your life is part of the change we want to see in the world. Your life is the movement. The work you do is that drop that causes that ripple effect of positivity. Let today's episode be part of your daily contribution toward change, the investment you make in yourself. Let it be the fuel you need to go beyond. Hey, everybody. How are you? Welcome to the podcast. I'm thrilled that you're here as I always am. This is a happy space for me to dive into conversations that interest me with people who I really want to get to know more. A lot of people I have in this podcast, I kind of, you know, I know a little bit or a little more than a little bit, but always have this desire to go deeper. And today's interview is very much one of those people. I'm joined by my, I kind of feel like my friend and colleague, because we've kind of done some things together. There's like this supportiveness between us. And that is what I love to be around. I'm joined by the amazing Zibby Owens. Those of you who are in this network of New York moms, events. Definitely, if you're an author, you know Zibby. She's the creator and host of the award-winning literary podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And I'm just a very, very proud guest on that show. I'm sure when we post this episode, we will also be posting a link to that episode. It was truly one of my favorites. And I'm going to talk a bit about that in a minute. But Zibby hosts not only her podcast, but also author events and book fairs and salons. And these are opportunities for her to not only gather her community, gather her authors in person, sell books, but most importantly, she really generates meaningful dialogue and conversation. And again, I've been part of these events, so I can really talk personally about them, and we will. Zibby is a mother of four. She's a writer herself. She's actually a beautiful writer. We're going to talk about her love of writing. And she's posted and published in many of the most popular publications. I love that she's called NYC's most powerful book fluencer. That's a pretty cool title. And this is a big one. Recently selected as Oprah Magazine's top 21 book podcasts. Anything with Oprah attached is an honor. She is a native of New York. I do want to talk about New York, how it's changed with her. She has a lovely husband, Kyle, who I have met and chatted with over turkey sandwiches in her kitchen. And again, just like a lot of growth recently for Zibby. So I'm excited to learn more about what's in the works. So here she is. Hey, Zibby. Hey, Randy. Thanks so much for having me. It's really cool to switch kind of the seats here. (laughs) And that was quite an introduction. I was like, wow. <laughs> well, it, it's you. <laughs> it's all true. Well, yeah. So, you know, it was really, actually, I always like to kind of talk a little bit about how I know you and how I know the person I'm interviewing, if I know them, and where the connection happened. Obviously, I'm in the mom space, the podcast space, and a book author. So your name kind of did cross my path a bunch of times before I ever actually connected with you in person. I found you, I think, on Instagram, and I started being like, this is really interesting. This is a podcast where someone actually wants to talk to authors. (laughs) And as an author, when you know, like, 
you can feel so relevant for have written a book, but you can also feel so invisible because it's not the book world that it once was. So I was like, this is really interesting. And then it just so turns out that a friend of mine published an amazing book, maybe last summer called Montauk, uh, Nicola Harrison. And you interviewed her at one of her book launch events. And that was the first time I actually saw you in person, though I don't think I got to say hello to you. So it's interesting how our world started to kind of overlap and then really cool to connect and first be a guest on your podcast. So yeah, good stuff. So let's just start with your podcast because it's like the most kind of obvious place to begin and it feels most relevant. I know that you love to write. I know that you love to read and you love to interview people and kind of get into the meat of things. So talk about like where the idea began and I guess the spirit of it, where did it start? The spirit of it, it actually started somewhat accidentally. (laughs) It wasn't one of these decisions that I labored over and did pretty methodically. I decided just to try it. I had been writing a lot of essays, as you mentioned, for different parenting sites, uh, particularly after getting divorced and having all this extra time on the weekends when I didn't have my kids that I needed to fill to sort of <laughs> you know, push away some of the sadness of all of a sudden not having them. So I started writing up a storm, which I've always loved to do, but hadn't really had the time to do it. I started posting on different sites. Some of my articles got lots and lots of views, and I just finally got some momentum. And my husband said to me one night, you know, you should really write a book for moms with all these essays. And I was like, oh, moms don't have time to read books. And then I was like, oh, that's funny. I'll just make that the title of my book. And I had an agent at the time and she said, you know what? I don't think publishers are going to think that's very funny. <laughs> and then I had another book I wanted to write anyway, but I had this title in my head and a fellow author friend of mine, Sarah Mlynowski, who's a best-selling middle grade author and a, who was a fellow mom at my son's school at the time said, you know, you should really do a podcast. And I was like, what's a podcast? Why would I even do that? And then I was thinking, and this is rambling a bit, but I'm always one of these people who's constantly ripping out articles or forwarding articles or telling people, oh, you have to read this or, oh my gosh, did you see this? And I thought, well, if I could just read those on a podcast instead of making everybody, you know, click onto the links, maybe that would save mom's time and they could really connect with these pieces. I wasn't even really thinking about mine at the time. I was thinking about other people's, but then I realized it was illegal to just read other people's work and a podcast. So I thought, well, I could read mine, but that won't last very long. Or maybe I could just try to talk to the authors themselves. So I took that name. I decided to start a podcast. I researched like crazy to figure out how to even do that. And I thought I would just try it. So my first episode I recorded in my bedroom and onto my phone after Googling like easiest way to start a podcast. Then I had my first guest, Lee Carpenter, who is a friend of mine from business school. And we sat right where I'm sitting now and had our first chat recorded. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love this. This is perfect. This is amazing. This is what I want to do. And so now I've done it like 300 times. (laughs) It's really funny. Like, I mean, a couple things I want to highlight. One, I love the fact that really in some ways it was an experimentation that led to this. And just to say that I think a lot of women with a great idea downplay the fact that sometimes you just need to tinker and play around and put it out without the whole, it has to be so baked and it has to be so perfect. So really interesting. And I relate to that because I feel like I did the same thing with this podcast and many other things. It is an experimentation that's really important. 
Yeah. Yeah. Most things I'm doing, I'm like, let's test it. Let's try it. Let's yeah. see before totally committing. And I mean, I don't know. I didn't make it too public that I was doing it. It's not like I announced I was launching a podcast. I just right. kind of quietly tried it and that seemed to work better for me. But sometimes <laughs> it's about just figuring out that one, you like it, which you're like, I like it. And two, that you know, that you kind of know how to do it and you get your own confidence. Sometimes it's not about the public eye, but it's about just your own ability to get it done in the first place. So yes. yeah, I think that's powerful. The other thing that I do love, and I have thought about your podcast title before, I think that it's all very cute and ironic. Like it's like moms don't have time to read books. And yet I'm always looking at how many books you read when you post. And I'm like, wow, she really loves to read. And I relate to that. I too am a bookworm and many other women we know, it's like their therapy space and their me time. And so there's an irony in the title of the podcast because many people on one hand will use these conversations as a way to learn and grow and connect with the literary world if they don't have time. But also people who really do have time and love it and make the time for it are going to be listening because they care about it. Yeah. Ironic. <laughs> so ironic. I love it. I love it. The other thing I love about the podcast is, I mean, you cover every single genre, I think, that's out there. Like, does that ever feel overwhelming or does it feel like so relevant to you to read everything and connect with all these different perspectives all the time? Well, it's kind of how I read myself. I don't only read fiction. Like when I finish a really intense, powerful novel, I tend to jump to a different genre next. I might not delve into another one afterwards. I might want to read like a short parenting book or I might want to have a, go to a memoir or maybe even something businessy. I don't cover all types of genres in that I don't typically do romance and I don't do like meaning like mass market romance. I don't do um, too much fantasy or science fiction unless there's some book my son is reading that he really wants me to <laughs> cover. But I don't find it overwhelming. I find it necessary because I couldn't do it if it was just sort of new release commercial fiction. But this whole enterprise is based on sort of what I like to read and how I read it. And I'm not like reporting to anybody. I'm not an employee of, you know, Penguin Random House or anything. So I like to mix it up. And I think it's great. I think it's great to hear all different types of voices. And I think it's great to use books to learn, but also to escape. And books teach me everything from, you know, how to cook something better to, you know, what life is like as a transgender person in Iran. I mean, there's just so many things. So I'm pretty excited that I've chosen the book world because interviewing authors is like, I mean, so many different types of people and experiences. So it's really such a joy. Amazing. So I'm curious because we both live in New York and I was able to come to your library recording space. I'm imagining that you can't get every author into your recording space in person. Right. Yeah. You're like doing it more like me. I got it. Yeah. I just had to ask that question. Whether no, that I mean, sense. I really do. I'm willing to wait for people. I mean, I, luckily I feel like most authors swing through New York at some point or another when they have a book out. And well, so I, yeah, I listened to an episode you did with a lovely Parisian author and all about youth and aging. I really enjoyed that conversation. And she had just gotten off the airplane and like swung through your apartment. Yeah. It was amazing. She luckily, not just for me, she was on her way. That was Caroline de McGray and she was on her way to a big Chanel event and she made time for me, but that was lovely. But I tell publicists and whoever I'm emailing with, you know, whichever authors, like 
I'll wait. I'll wait several months because I book several months out anyway. So I'd much rather do a face-to-face interview. Not that you and I are on Skype right now. This is still great and I know you, but for especially for people I don't know, there's just something really different about having a conversation in person. And there's like an intimacy to that. So I really do try to have most guests in my little space with me. Yeah, no, I get it. Which leads me to talking about like really the whole picture here, because the episodes are, yes, sort of like the primary lead of the brand that you're building, but there's a lot of other stuff going on. And the events, the conversations around topics of importance, the community building that's happening is very powerful. And I really personally very much resonate with it. And I just, I want to talk about the kind of like women community part of that. I also want to talk about the meaning behind that, particularly for authors. So tell me about like the community part of it and what feels so relevant to you about shaping it the way you have. I'm like a total connector type person. I love when I can introduce somebody to somebody else or people who have things in common. And this is, again, was not something I set out to do, but came as a byproduct of what ended up unfolding with the brand. And it actually, again, started with my husband because I had a party one night and because I love to like entertain and just have people over. And I'm just always like opening up my home and wanting to be around people. And he said, you know, you should really invite some of your new authors to this party. And I was like, oh gosh, I don't think they'd want to come? Like, do you think they'd want to come? He was like, yeah, why wouldn't they? And I was like, I don't know. I felt like that was more professional. And this was my, these are my friends. And he's like, but there's no, there really is no line. And frankly, once I sit and talk with somebody for an hour, like, I feel like they're my friends anyway. Like when you were describing me, I'm like, I hope she says we're friends. I feel like there's some sort of friendship that comes with really confiding in each other. Anyway. So I invited a few of the authors to this one party we had and they had a great time. My other friends had a great time. And that's how I ended up thinking, well, I should have a party just for authors but it would be much better to sell their books if they were here. So that's how I came up with this idea for a book fair where I would sell every six months. And now I'm trying to, you know, create seasons around these groups of books. But every six months I have a book fair where I have all the authors come and sell all their books. And then I invite all my friends and everybody I know to come shop. And along the way with these little salon events that I do every two to three weeks, I've just gotten so much joy myself and satisfaction out of bringing people together in person. And, you know, reading can be a solitary thing, but it's also a thing that connects you to others. And I was actually, I just interviewed Anne Bogle, who has a really popular reading podcast herself and has a new book out called Don't Overthink It. And she also wrote a book called I'd Rather Be Reading. And that's one of her main things too, is like reading, yes, it's alone, but it's one of the greatest connectors because you read the same book and you connect right over the book. So I just love it. I love bringing people together. And I do think it's important to have a community. I think a lot of the authors have told me that there is no similar community for them here in New York, at least. And I'm doing it now to a smaller degree in LA, but where they can just come and chit chat and yes, meet readers, but it's not like a felicity event for them. It's just them being them and meeting other people who are like-minded with similar goals. And so I love that I'm helping establish a little author community, but also a mom community, not to talk about, frankly, kids, but what we're thinking, like so much that's geared towards moms is about how to be better moms. And like, I don't want to think about how to be a better mom, but I'm not with my kids half the time. I mean, that's good. And I read what I need to, and I learn what I need to learn, but I also miss being a regular thinking, breathing person who loves school and wants to learn and wants to have intellectual conversations and all the rest of it. So I like 
being able to provide that for moms and also just a place to, you know, get together and have a cup of coffee. And, you know, I feel like with all the rise of technology, it's easy to be alone more. And that's not how I like to do things. (laughs) So I like to just bring people together. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm with you. I also, again, really witnessed, we're actually very similar in the way that we do things. Like I watched what happened. We had our podcast interview and the prior one that I was on your podcast. And we talked a lot about loss. And as soon as we stopped the recording, you were like, that's it. I have an idea. You need to meet someone. We have to do something together. And within one hour, emails were flying (laughs) and dates were being held. and, And it turned into one of your salon events that was all around loss and writing and community building. And it's funny, like, I'm honestly used to being the one that does that. It was so refreshing to have the experience of someone else doing it like that. And it was so clear that you just felt it. You were just like, I know two authors. I know two women in my life who are talking about this and eat, sleeping, and breathing this stuff. And I care about it. And this needs to happen. Boom. Yeah. When I have an idea, I go, I do it right away. (laughs) That's what I'm saying even about starting the podcast. Like, I'll just do it. I'll just try it. And I like to just make it happen without too much. Yeah. And when I met you, exactly. I was like, you have to meet Rebecca Sofer. And I don't know, being able to connect people to each other, people to the right books, you know, people to the right agents or the right publishers or whatever. I, that's just, I love that. I don't know. That's just something that I just love. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, well, to go back to that event, that was a very powerful event for me. And I think I told you some of it, but I'll tell you actually more um, because it speaks to what's very special when someone else sees something and then sort of leads you there as opposed to when you're a person that's always doing stuff and making stuff. Like it's always how you see it, you know? And When you were like, okay, we need to talk about loss. We need to talk about, you know, how we process this as individuals and as community, as, you know, three younger, I'm going to call ourselves younger women in this context, me, you, and Rebecca, because many people, as we talked about, who are recognized for going through loss are older than we are. And so to sit down and share that together, one of the things that that really did for me, besides the obvious, which is the catharsis of sharing topics like that, watching other people resonate, for me, it's been part of a build of mine realizing that I don't personally just want to talk about motherhood. And I'm going through a real shift in my brand and my expression and talking about other things in more of like the me voice, but getting out of where I maybe have been pigeonholed a little bit. And that feels really magnificent. And sometimes like you need those moments, those other people to see these other parts of you and bring it together. So that for me also happened in that moment, in that day. Also as an author, let's talk a little bit about authors right now, because those of us who are interested in writing books have written books are thinking about it. Writing books is a different thing now. It's like a mixture of every quote, everyone's writing a book, particularly if you're in the wellness space. I feel like everyone's writing books, but we all know that getting into the publishing space is different than it was a decade or two ago when publishing houses really kind of supported your marketing efforts and your publicity efforts. Now it's really, really in the hands of the author most of the time. And I think that the power of feeling like there is this individual, you, and this 
community that you're building to be supportive and empowering about you are an author, you have something to say, we want to hear from you, and we also want to sell your books. Like that alone is very special to those that are out there doing this. Good. I'm glad. I mean, I love supporting authors and I love getting their books into the right hands and whatever I can do to help, you know, makes me feel good to help other people. So yeah, it's a win-win. <laughs> When's, so tell us more about your writing right now. Is there time for that? I just finished the novel I've been working on for like two and a half years. <gasps> Amazing. So crossing my fingers that someone wants to buy it, <laughs> but maybe they won't, but I don't know. At least I worked. I know at least I can't do any more of it now on my own. <laughs> it's gotten to that point. So that's taken a while. And I do have something I've sold, but I can't say it publicly yet, but I'm excited about that. I write essays all the time, similar to when you and I were talking, you know, it comes over me and I'm just like, okay, I have to do this right now. Like I have to write or a moment happens. Like when I'm sitting next to my husband on the airplane the other day and he shows me some new photo editing app and like, <laughs> he like takes all my wrinkles away. And then he's like, Oh look, you know, you can press the thin button. And he just like thins down my face and this looks at me proudly like here, is that awesome? And I'm like, <laughs> I read that article, Zibi. <laughs> but it's like, yeah. it's just a moment. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh no, that was rude of me. He didn't even mean it that way because it was like so obvious that I yeah. looked better, thinner and everybody tends to. Anyway, but like taking a moment like that and just writing it down versus letting it pass me by. So I love doing short essays like that and also bigger projects. I'm also really excited about something I'm launching on Mother's Day, which is a content site slash magazine slash I need a better word for it. But each week I'm going to release five essays in five different verticals about things moms don't have time to do. Moms don't have time to breathe and eat and have sex and all these things. And only authors like you who have been on my podcast are going to write for it. And it's another ironic Thing, like about things that you actually do find time to do. So, you know, if you want to talk about like how you used to do yoga so much, you know, yoga teaching and yoga training and how that helps you as a person and a mom, it's not really a list of things that you don't have time to do because that would be kind of boring. But anyway, I'm really excited and the content is coming in for that and it's so good. And I'm really excited to have some of this original content out in the world, sort of an extension of my brand. And I'm going to work on this literary festival in the Hamptons this summer. And I just have so much I'm excited to do. But yes, writing is uh, something very core to sort of who I am. And even if it's a three-line Instagram header, you know, post, or it's a thing in my newsletter, or it's an essay on a site, or it's a book or something, it's just something I need to do for me. <laughs> yeah, I love that, it. That, I mean, hopefully helps other people too, but that it's something that comes from deep within me. It's cool too, because when you have a niche, you can watch that niche flourish. You know, sometimes I feel like my curse has been that I started like thematically a little bit wide. It was more of like a feeling and a principle and a concept and it's gotten narrower with time. But I love that like you have this really kind of core commitment and passion and then all these things like open up from that place. It's very cool. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about, I know we don't want to talk about motherhood, but I kind of do. And I didn't mean to say, <laughs> no, it's just no. kidding with you. I didn't mean that. I mean, I talk about my kids all the time. Don't get me I wrong. Know. I just I meant know. like, sometimes I don't want advice from other people on how to parent. So that's really all I was trying to say. I feel um, you on that. I, talk, I, feel you I, on that. I definitely talk about being a mom a lot. So I know because it's a huge part of your life. And Talk to me about like, how are they experiencing this work that you're doing? And I'm sure they're kind of into it too, from their angle. 
They are. They are into it. I have four kids and my little guy is five and I have a six-year-old girl and then I have twins who are almost 13, boy-girl twins. So they really, you know, (laughs) run the gamut of the issues that face in a given day from, you know, this, you know, my Legos have fallen down and I can't find this piece to like, this girl is being mean to me. You know, I have like every kind of emotional issue possible throughout the day, which, you know, it's sort of like what you were saying about the genres of books that I read. Like, I love that variety. Like, thank God, because I couldn't deal all day with just one of these things, really, if I had to. But so... Yeah. I mean, the kids are really into my podcast. My daughter, it's so cute when she goes to my, to her dad's house, you know, when they're not with me because every other weekend they go with their dad. I mean, she'll tell me she sits there and listens to all my podcasts. It's just so sweet. And she's like, I got your newsletter. And then my son will come in. I'll be like, Hey, have you written any essays lately? I really love your essays. And it's just so sweet. And they all get on board because each night, basically, I'm holding a different book as I put them to bed. And they're like, what are you reading now? What's it about? Like, whatever happened? Or I'll say, you know, I'm reading this mystery or something. Oh, well, whatever happened? Did the person find out who killed who? And <laughs> so it's just very collective. Sometimes I have the kids in here while I do podcasts, although that hasn't worked out very well. And it's just very collaborative. I'm having an event soon my son's going to be helping me, my older son. And, you know, it's a joint effort and it's something that they can see. They see every part of it as opposed to like, goodbye, I'm going to an office and I'll see you in, you know, whatever many hours. They know I'm working all the time, but they can be right next to me and they can do their own thing. And anyway, I try to be like a role model, but, you know, also be down playing with them on the ground. So, you know, half the time I want to like throw myself off a bridge, but when I don't, I think it's a nice balance. (laughs) (laughs) I can really relate to that, but it's hard. I mean, it's hard for those of us that are doing multiple things at the same time and trying to be innovative in some way. And a lot of what you're doing, similar to myself, like it involves a lot of different players. So there's a lot of communication and a lot of stuff. And then you're trying to be present with your kids. Yes. It's not easy. Right. It's not easy. I have to like tell myself because I feel like part of how I get so much done each day is I'm always evaluating my time. Like am I spending too long on this? Could I be doing this more efficiently? Should I be using my time on this and setting like little time goals? Like, okay, you know, it's 10 6. I'm going to do this till 10 30 and then I'm going to switch gears and I'm going to do this to this. But I do that also with uninterrupted time with the kids. Like, okay, I'm spending this time with my little guy from now for the next 45 minutes. That's his. After that, I'm going on to something else. So I don't know. That's just the way it's worked better for me. I think it's very mindful. Like you're actually engaging in the moment and you're creating boundaries, and you're saying, this is what this is, I'm staying put here, and then I'm switching gears. Yeah. As opposed to it just being a mess, and then you're beating yourself up all the time, which maybe you're beating yourself up a little, but point is, is when you can command small boxes of time, you have better luck in those boxes of time. Absolutely, yes. (laughs) I have to do that. Even when I was like in college, I would like make myself little schedules, like, okay, this hour and a half, I'm studying this subject, and this time I'm studying this. Like, I have to do that with my time. I don't write it down anymore, but- yeah, in my head. That's how I control the chaos. <laughs> yeah. What do you do for you, Zibi? And I know reading is part of that, but it's also become part of your work. So like, what's yours? It's true. Sometimes I feel like I cheat on my work by reading books that aren't coming up for a while. <laughs> like, oh, this book's coming out this summer. And uh, I don't even know if I'm going to interview this author, but I'm going to read it anyway. <laughs> Like, I'm such a nerd. That's like my idea of like, you know, breaking the rules. What do I do for me? I love spending time with my husband. We love to travel. We spend a lot of time, you know, going out to LA and seeing our friends out there and just having fun. I don't know. What do I do for me? Yeah. Seeing friends when I can. 
getting in some exercise if I ever can, occasionally some TV. I don't know. There's not too much time. I feel like I'm spread very thin at the moment. So I just do my best. Yeah. Do your know. best is what's for I don't you. know. <laughs> There's no right or wrong answer to that question, by the way. But I mean, the sheer fact that you do, I mean, it's funny. It's almost like your tone is like, I'm trying a hard time figuring out what I do for me, but actually like spending time with your partner, going to a city that you enjoy often, seeing friends. I mean, all stuff for you. But really, Randy, everything I'm doing is for me. Like that's why I'm having trouble. Like this whole (laughs) thing that I'm doing is for me. I mean, not really, but like it started that like, not that it's for me, but that it all makes me feel great. And it's something that I'm passionate about. So like, I'm, yes, quote unquote, working like around the clock all the time, but it's because I'm so excited and passionate about what I'm doing. So when you say like, what am I doing for me? Like, it's hard to differentiate. Like that means like, I don't know, it's all like, you know, it's really nice. It's this amazing feeling that like all these things are coming together to support what I'm already just totally passionate about. So What's the quote? Like if you're something, I'm going to botch it up, but I feel like you'll quote it, right? Like when you do something you love, you'll never work a day in your life or something like that. It's true. I mean, this does not, I mean, feel like work at all. And now that I have like a little team helping me and that we're trying to launch this magazine thing and, you know, I'm trying to expand, I understand I'm involving other people. So I need to like, (laughs) you know, focus on it. It's not just my thing at my desk anymore, but it is so fun. And I'm having the best time. And yes, sometimes I get stressed out, but that's okay. Like you can get stressed out about happy things. Yeah, So absolutely. Because especially for those of us that are achievers, you know, the pressure is on to do things well. And that's why things are done well. But yeah, there's pressure and there is a little bit of that stress, but stress can be good sometimes. It keeps you honest and it keeps you on top of your game, you know. Yeah. And I think having something to really focus on and keep my head down and do is helpful for me to stem all the anxiety going on in the world at large. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is yeah. my thing. I know exactly what I'm doing and I'm going to keep on doing it <laughs> with my totally. kids, with the books, with the authors, with the event. Like, this is what I like. Otherwise, I just, you know, go spinning out of control. <laughs> yeah. I get it. You have like your formula and, yeah. mm-hmm. and you just keep like showing up for it. Yeah, I get it. I want to hear a little bit about your relationship with New York City because I know you've been brought up here. I feel like the fact that you're able to, like you said, everybody comes through New York at one point or another. Like, I feel like New York City is part of your story. Yeah. I mean, I have a complicated relationship with my home, but it's my home. It's sort of like how you feel about your family, right? (laughs) It is what it is. Like I've left at times and I do, I used to live in LA for a little bit and I spend a lot of time there now, which, and I also love LA, but yeah, I grew up here and I, you know, I'm not like a tourist. I don't take advantage of a lot of the city has to offer, you know, I'm not like out at the theater every night and doing all these things, but you know, in my little neighborhood, this is my small town and I walk out the door. I cannot walk around the block without seeing somebody I know. Like I've lived here my whole life. Now I have four kids I'm, who are at four schools and I went to school here and my family. I mean, I just, it's very comfortable for me because I know so many people. And yet at the same time, there's so many people 
I don't know. And I go to all these events and I'm like, who are all these people? <laughs> How do I not know a single person in this like 500 person, you know, literary party I'm at or something. So yeah, I love being here. I do feel really lucky that all the publishers are right around the corner and I can like pop in there and have a meeting or I get to walk through the halls of these fantastic places and the New York Public Library. And I mean, there's so many book centric institutions. So I feel like very lucky that I'm here and feel very lucky. And it would be, it's not that I can't do it somewhere else, but being able to meet the people, all these people in person is really a gift about being in New York. And you know, it's not perfect, but it is what it is. It's just, it is what it is. It's like part of my DNA at this point. Yeah, no, I get it. You know, one last thing I, or last, I don't know if we're ending, we're just talking. One thing that I really appreciate about you, Zabib, I think I experienced it both being a guest on your podcast and at this event where you basically moderated the conversation between Rebecca and I on Lost, but you were also very much contributing to it. I think you have an ability to really hold space for whatever is going on in a moment. Like, I feel like you could be a shrink if you wanted to be. I did want to be. Okay, well then I'm picking up on something. Yeah, I can definitely see it. Because when I think of a fantastic therapist, and I have one, so I feel like when I think of her, I'm like, yeah. There is this person that you feel like you could say anything to, that there is a safety space there, that there is this understanding that whatever you say, you won't be judged. It won't go too far, (laughs) unless it's recorded, of course. But like, there is a safety there and a curiosity. And you have that. But it's not like there's a calmness about it. And I know you always define yourself as like you'll spin out of control, but I see you as very methodical and very clear. And I think that's part of why what you're doing is really clicking with people because it's not just that you're interviewing authors and then they get to come together and meet and have a conversation. You're like, I am actually going to create a space right now for people to speak their heart, to connect for truth to come out. And like, you're the through line of that. I love that. Thank you. (laughs) I feel like I just did a little bit of an intuitive reading on you. Thank you. I'll take it. Yeah. (laughs) I want to get like a full quote of that whole thing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I did want to be a psychologist for a while. I majored in psychology and I thought about doing that, but then life took me in all these different directions. And, but yeah, I took the test to go and I was ready to apply But then sometimes I think that I don't know if I could handle the patient after patient model. Yeah. That's intense. I have so much respect for therapists and they're being able to to take all that on. But yeah, I love figuring out who people are and hearing what they have to say. Yeah. And uh, you're doing that. Like that's the interesting part. It's like it's happening in person. It's happening when you interview. Because let's face it, anyone who writes a book, it's like some part of their stuff is in there, whether yes, it's fiction, exactly. memoir, exactly. nonfiction, whatever, it's their stuff. And you're like, let's pull this out in this conversation. Yep. It's exactly right. That's yeah. uh, and if I can't, I am very frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some people, not often, but some authors come in so media trained that they won't let me in and that's okay. I respect that, but it's just not as satisfying a conversation. Right. Yeah. I like uh, connect, you know, actually, yeah. Connecting with like people to people. I don't know. It sounds so cheesy, but it's true. Yeah. No, it's true. And it's necessary. I mean, I cry during our interview. I cry easily, but like, I don't always cry is the point. Right. You know, it happens in spaces where you feel like you can go there. Yeah. You know, it's powerful. So what's 
next? I mean, you talked a bit about what's next, but like, what are you hoping for? Whether that's tangible or like not tangible. I mean, I have a bunch of like initiatives that I hope to grow, but it keeps changing all the time. I mean, I just have to grow what I'm doing. That's really what I want. I want to get all this content out to more people is my biggest goal. And whether that's through building a mailing list or growing Instagram or just, I don't know, building up more of like, I want more people to hear from the author. Like, I want more. It's out there. I just need it to grow. And I mean, it is growing, but I think that's if I could just get the books into more hands or I could have more people hear the conversations or whatever, that would be great. And I don't know. I mean, I have to just sort of feel okay with some question marks ahead, which usually, you know, I mean, I feel like I've given up planning at this point. Because every plan I make, I end up changing. So, you know, there are things I want, but then I'm also really happy to switch gears. So, and I do that often. So we'll see. I mean, but wherever it's going, it's so exciting. Every day, every time I open my email, there's something exciting. Like, ooh, that could be fun. Or, you know, I'm very much in like a just say yes mentality, like speaking at conferences or I don't know, just like whatever. All these opportunities are very exciting. So I'm just going to sort of ride this wave and see where it goes. I love it. It's so, it's such a positive approach. And I feel like your ability to experiment, your curiosity, your compassion, and the fact that you're willing to just kind of like go with where the tides are taking you. It's amazing. It's what I witness every day when I like see what you're doing. It's very exciting. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Well, Zibi, tell everybody where they can follow you and find all this good stuff. Yes, please follow me. My email is zibbyowens.com, Z-I-B-B-Y-O-W-E-N-S, zibbyowens.com. I'm at zibbyowens on Instagram and also at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I have a mailing list with a weekly newsletter with exclusive content and all that good stuff. So you can sign up on my website for that and listen to my podcast. It's available anywhere. It's called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And yeah, please follow me. Spread the word to friends and other moms. And it's not really just for moms, but that is my main target. So tell other moms. And hopefully when we're all in this together, everybody feels a little bit less alone. Yes, 100%. And for those of you that already follow Zibby, this, I hope, gave you a little bit of a sense of who she is. Like, the person behind the person who's always interviewing (laughs) other people, (laughs) which is fun. It's a really, really special thing to actually know like the calling and the spirit behind what someone has created. So Zibby, thank you for everything you do. Thank you for getting to know me and let's just keep doing stuff because I love creating stuff with you. It's fun. You too. So glad our paths have crossed. (laughs) Me too. All right, friends. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for being here, Zibby. And friends who tuned in, thank you for tuning in with me today. Lots of good stuff here. Some podcast recommendations, some suggestions of how to be a little bit experimental yet also a little bit boundary with your time when you need to be and a little bit of like the spirit of what it means to juggle a lot of things, but be really excited about all of it, which is a beautiful gift. So give this podcast the love it deserves. How can you do that? You can do that by sharing episodes you love with your friends and family. They're easily shareable. You can head over to iTunes and rate and subscribe. I really appreciate all of that support. And until next time, Take care of yourself, okay? Okay, bye. 
If you're enjoying the Going Beyond podcast, consider subscribing so you never miss an episode. When you subscribe, our weekly episode arrives right onto your device on whichever platform you've subscribed from. We also appreciate five-star ratings and reviews. Thanks so much for your support, friends. We're so glad you're hanging with us.